Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Purseland Podcast here on ITRS.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, my name is Kenny and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin Finn. The sun is shining here in Glasgow. How are you this fine summer afternoon? Kenny, I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Unlike yourself, we just had a chat before we went on the air. <laughs> we had a bit of a trying time. We won't go into the details about it. Well, well, I mean, you, you didn't have a good time in Nashville, though, didn't you? I had a great time in Nashville. And, you know, we don't need to go into details, but I'll, I'll basically tell you the gist of it. When you get a letter from a gas electricity company that you're not with saying you, that you owe them 250 quid, and then you phone them up to say, what are you talking about? And they say, can we have your meter number? And then they go, oh, it turns out this debt's nothing to do with you. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So can I cancel the account? No, you need to go to our other customer service team and wait on hold for them to cancel it. So it's just needless meat faff, Finn. It's got nothing to do with me. You don't have time for things like this in your life. No, but not when I've got to speak to Finley Martin. Exactly. I mean, this is just can't be keeping you waiting, like some exactly, schmuck. exactly. I mean, this is just life's too short, Kenny. You might only have fifty good fifty good years left. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want fifty, but I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take a solid thirty uh, to see how I go from there. Um, I've got to say, I was reading something on some uh, in the comments section of some site a while ago, and someone actually did observe, well, I'm really old now, so, you know, I'm not going to be around that much longer, you know, maybe that's not such a bad thing. That was the actual comment, and I was just blown away by it. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I, it all depends, doesn't it? If you're if you're fighting fit, you want to be around. But if you're if all, if all your faculties are gone, maybe it's maybe maybe you'd be gladder to just you know. Well, they were just talking about the state of things generally in the world. I think they're oh, I mean, yeah, we had that. still pretty good. They were just, you know, as an observation, you know, on the world in general. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing to, you know, go over to the other side. Assuming that exists, of course. I wonder if uh, I wonder if at that point Liz Truss will have developed her two different internets that she's going to have. UK politics right now, everybody, if you want some good comedy, UK politics is where it's at with the, the, the Tory leadership debate. But that's... Uh, real life stuff. We're here to talk about the wrestling. Um, so we didn't get to all the all the SummerSlam matches, Finn, uh, on Sunday. So let's just give them a little bit of coverage. The ones that we missed, um, we didn't get a chance to talk about. Did we? We did. We did talk about Logan Paul and Miz. Um, yes. And we talked. Yes. Yeah, so the ones that we missed were the SmackDown matches. Uh, so we had uh, Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin uh, facing off. And I've got to say, I was very disappointed by this one. Uh, Pat McAfee so far had seemed to have the Midas touch when he's wrestling in WWE, but he he did go on to say afterwards that um, he did not expect or prepare for the humidity in Nashville, um, which I can tell you was awful. So he said that affected his performance big time. He did get the win over Corbin, but um, you know after the WrestleMania match with Theory, this probably wasn't the the worthy sequel. What did you make of this one? No, no, it definitely wasn't. Um, I mean, I thought it was built up fairly well, certainly with the angle on SmackDown the previous evening. That was a lot of fun. Um, but it just almost felt, it, the match almost felt crowbarred in and it never for a moment felt like Corbin was going to win. Um, it just felt like this would be Pat McAfee's night. And um, there wasn't really a whole lot of tension here and, I mean, McAfee kicked out of the deep six, which I think, which I think was the uh, which was the best part of the match. Um, but I mean, yeah, even Michael Cole observed on commentary. He said it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a wrestling clinic. He said after the match, and how right he was. <laughs> you know, ref bump after Corbin's um, failed end of days. Uh, McAfee hit a punt to Corbin's testicles and then scored the pin and this was seen as you know poetic justice after Corbin had booted McAfee in the groin on Smackdown the previous evening so I mean the story was okay and I I think the way it was set up was also pretty good but it just didn't fire up on the night it just I wouldn't say it was a massive flop I've seen a lot worse matches on premium live events or pay-per-views. Um, but yeah, as you say, they, they had a tall act to follow after the success of McAfee versus Theory um, at WrestleMania. And I'm sure Pat McAfee will be a little bit more picky about who he wrestles next. I think he'll only have matches with people that there's going to be a real demand for him to wrestle. And it just felt like this was a match that took place to give Pat something to do at SummerSlam. Didn't really feel like an essential match, did it? I think that was yeah. I think that was the, the fundamentally the problem with it. I don't think there was a massive amount of interest in the match in the first place. And it just didn't really click on the night. Yeah, I mean Michael Cole uh, seemed to be the kind of saving grace for people in commentary because he was, you know, he was 
he was as enthusiastic for Pat McAfee as I would be for you, Finn, if you decided to step in the ring. I'd be fighting <laughs> your corner. I'd be standing up. I'd be, you know, wishing you to give it your all. So friendship was good. Um, I will say, though, the to me, one of the big kind of uh, disappointments of this was, you know, at WrestleMania, they used the White Stripes song, which was great when Pat McAfee yeah. came out. And here they've just got this shitty studio song that they've now made. And I mean, they did have a choir singing Bum Ass Corbin, but it kind of reminded me of, you know, a song that's quite well remembered with wrestling fans is the, how would you, I don't know what you, what you'd word it, the, the rejigging of Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana for DDP. Like yeah. they kind of changed the chords just enough, didn't they? Where they kind of, you know, you got with the gist of it, you got what they were trying to do and it worked quite well. I don't see why they couldn't have just, you know, done something to, you know, change White Stripes song up enough to you may maybe get a Seven Nation Army to an extent. Because it just felt like once you've had that, to then come out to this generic theme, uh, didn't 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 give McAfee a lot of momentum. That, like you mentioned, he probably already didn't have because this match felt a bit nondescript. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also he had, you know, he had the cheer, Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders as well at WrestleMania and everything just worked. And it had been... Obviously, Vince was at ringside and Theory is a much better heel than Corbin is. And he just had every... And it was McAfee's first match on the main roster. So, I mean, you know, to replicate that was going to be difficult anyway. So he was swimming upstream from the off. But you're right, that the whole entrance with this choir, it just felt a little bit like, you know, what are they singing? You know, what's going on here? Why are they doing this? This isn't really... This is supposed to provoke laughs. It's not really firing up the crowd. So, yeah, I would have preferred for them to use the Seven Nation Army track again. I think that would have been a great entrance, but a-ho. I mean, they're not short of the cash, Finn, that they could have uh, kept kept Seven Nation Army for us. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, but uh, wait a minute, the, the other match that we had uh, pre-main event was we had the Liv Morgan-Ronda Rousey match for the SmackDown Women's title. Story of the match was that Liv Morgan was the underdog here and that you know, Ronda Rousey was just kind of taking her time, breaking her down uh, with the arm throughout the match. Um, but in the end, we had a finish where uh, Ronda Rousey had Morgan in the arm bar, but Rousey was on the on the ground and Morgan had kind of got up because Morgan was trying to like, lift Ronda to get out of the move. And as she kind of put Ronda back down, Ronda's shoulders were down, so the referee counted to three, but we saw in the replay that at the exact point the referee counted three, Morgan actually was tapping out uh, to the armbar. Uh, so Liv Morgan retains, but Ronda Rousey's kind of got the out. And then Ronda seemingly does a heel turn after the match by uh, battering the referee. So they got out of it. We we both talked fine about how we couldn't really see how this was going to go. But, um, you know, I, I guess they shared our concern. Yeah, I mean, I think on the replay, it showed that Morgan had tapped before. The referee counted three. I think that was how it played out on the replay. Um, I mean, it was it was an underwhelming match. Um, I mean, Morgan was presented as somebody who wasn't in the same league as Ronda. And I think she, I think it was really, they did Morgan a bit of a disservice here because she should have got stuck in. It should have been like full on assault on Ronda. Because we know Ronda can take it. So she should have been really going for it instead of almost like retreating and backing off. And 
approaching Ronda with such caution. You know, on one hand, you could say, well, she would do that in a real fight because Ronda's so dangerous. And yeah, I get that. But we need to see spirit. We need to see fire from Morgan. We need to see, you know, gusto and gumption and, you know, this, this sort of uh, will to win no matter what, because she was, and in a sense still is, the underdog. So she needs to try and dispel that notion in our heads that she doesn't really deserve the belt. So I don't think this match really achieved that. It felt like the start of a story and there was going to be a rematch, I would think. I mean, I guess we'll find out this Friday on tomorrow on SmackDown what's going to happen next. But obviously it wasn't a clean outcome. It was kind of one of those double pin finishes that she WCW was fond of back in 1989. I know this because I've just watched a lot of WCW pay-per-views this week. <laughs> and he did these types types of finishes all the time so that people would be, you know, spared the indignity of doing a clean job. You know, they have like double pin finishes and then somebody had lift the shoulder just before three. And then the person who'd been beaten and stand up and claim victory. And then they'd be told by the referee, no, you lost. And the other person got their shoulder up first. So it was kind of one of those unsatisfying kind of inconclusive finishes. So, you know, I am eager to see where this goes next, but they need to really ramp it up with Liv Morgan. She needs to start, you know, getting stuck in basically, because this was a bit of a limp performance, I felt. Yeah, it didn't quite... um... It, it didn't feel it didn't feel like Liv was able to she didn't look like get... a champion, did she? You know, she's no. supposed to be the champ and she didn't look like a champion. She looked like somebody who was pretending to be a champion. And I mean, you know, is that to do with do they just not have faith that she could go out there in a in a Ronda Rousey match? Which then begs the question, I mean, I mean, they, they but they kind of had to do the the rematch. You know, Ronda yeah. Ronda can't be cashed in on and then not come back for it. Um, but I think. Yeah, it's, it's going to be up to Liv, really, to, to sort of see if she can keep up. And it's, I mean, are they going to do a singles match again at the at Clash at the Castle? Um, I think probably Ronda will regain the belt there. It seems like that's going to be the, the, the route of travel. but Possibly, yeah. Poss- maybe Charlotte will return for that. I mean, it feels like it's time for her to come back, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, they, need, they do need a couple of big names on that show. You know, because obviously Becky Lynch, as we're going to talk about, she's out now. Uh, we don't have Cody or Randy Orton. Um, you know, by all accounts, I don't think we're going to have Brock Lesnar for that show. So Charlotte would be a good one to to bring back in for yes. Clash of the Castle. Um, let's, let's move on to Raw uh, the next night, which was the first um, real Raw <clears throat> of the Triple H era. I know last week was technically his first night, but he wasn't going to really do anything when, you know, you had SummerSlam to prepare for. Before we go into some of the big talking points in the show, this show did a tremendous uh, rating for WWE, and it's, the, as far as I'm aware, the highest rated episode of Raw since March 16th, 2020. Which is pretty, a pretty, pretty big, uh, a pretty big happening, I'd say, Finn. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it did um, did like a really good number. I mean, it was, um, here we go, yeah, it did a show-long average of 2.230 million viewers, which were the program's largest audience since March 16th, 2020. Um, it's worth pointing out that the first hour of the program was commercial-free, so that was helpful. Um, but Raw only uh, lost 145,000 viewers between hours one and two, 
and pulled in nearly 2 million viewers for hour three. So these were big numbers, you know, at least by modern standards. People say, well, 20 years ago, they were drawing this, or 10 years they were drawing this. Yes, of course they were. But this is in the context of now, and this was a great number. Yeah, one of the, you know, nearly, what's that, 20, what's that, 26, 27 months, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, many, uh, I mean, Paul Levesque must have been beaming when those viewing figures came in because they are really high, so much higher than, I mean, I guess you'd have a little bit of a bump because it's a post-Muslim episode, but those figures were higher than I thought they would be. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, you know, I thought Raw was a good episode. I didn't think it was like, you know, one of the best episodes of all time. But I think he's Triple H is from what I, you know, we talked about this last week, it's probably going to be gradual changes that we're going to see. I feel like we saw enough gradual changes on this show to make me feel excited. I mean, one of the ones that we saw was uh, we had two triple threat matches and then, a, you know, winner's match to determine who's going to face Bobby Lashley for the US title. And before we got the matches, we actually got a video on the history of the US title with, uh, you know, footage of Dusty Rhodes, uh, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Eddie Guerrero, um, Steamboat, you know, all these people um, who've held the US belt, which, I mean, when was the last time do you think that the US title, you know, that they mentioned the history of it and tried to make it feel um, as important as they did in this episode? Well, I mean, they have meant... They do occasionally mention or have mentioned on commentary, haven't they? It's been held by 20 Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah, but I mean like I mean like a proper like here's a package, here's a here's some focus. I can't remember. I mean, they even had footage of the original US title belt, which I think looks absolutely awful. <laughs> they, showed, they showed that and you know, like Harley Race and all the guys dating back to the 70s who'd held it. Um, and it did feel like they were trying to convey how much this championship meant. And that's something that they should do because this is a title. I mean, some people would say, well, it's not the same title. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, I think it, I mean, I think it can be traced back. Some championships can't and they kind of make it up. But I think it's fair that this belt that Lashley currently holds can be traced back to the 70s. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, these things, they don't take up that much TV time. And it's fascinating to modern fans and to fans such as myself who've been watching for a very long time to see all this footage and all these greats from the past, um, you know, who held the belt and pursued the belt and, you know, coveted the belt. And it really does, I think, convey how much the belt means. So, uh, you know, I'm a fan of these type of, type of videos or segments. I mean, they don't take up too much time. Uh, they've obviously got all the footage so they can do these whenever they want. And I was pleased to see that they did do this uh, before they presented these two matches to name the new number one contender to the US title. And what a shock that was, the person who won. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, the first... one predicted that. No, because in the first one, they, we had AJ Styles, Mustafa Ali and The Miz. And, you know, the Mustafa Ali got some good stuff in, you know, thought he may have a chance. And then there's a great finish where Ali did the 450 and then... Styles immediately grabbed him, put him in the Styles Clash onto Miz and then covered him. So AJ gets the win there. But then in the second one, it's Champa who gets the win. He defeats uh, Dolph Ziggler and Chad Gable, which then brings us uh, Champa against AJ Styles. And Champa wins. So Champa is going to go on to face Bobby Lashley next week on Raw uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. 
I should just mention the town that they're going to be in because there's somebody who lives in Cleveland, Ohio that people are already thinking about, Mr. Johnny Gargano. And as an extra special treat, Booker T sat on sat in on commentary for the AJ Styles versus Champa match. It's funny that one person's treat can be another person's nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> Booker, well, they Booker. were in Houston. Yeah, they were. Booker's hometown. Do you, so, uh, do, you, do you think that Booker T, who is more up themselves, Booker T or... Mm. I was going to say Bret Hart, but Bret Hart's more up himself. Is, is Booker T high on the list of conceited people, or do you think that he comes across well? Um, I mean, I don't really know about Booker. I mean, I listen to him, and I don't know whether it's all tongue-in-cheek or it isn't. And I know some people don't like him because he said things that, you know, that people don't want to hear, basically. Um I mean, I'm glad Booker T's not on commentary on a regular basis. I don't think it's his forte. Um, I think he's better really talking about himself rather than other people, which a lot of wrestlers are, by the way. <laughs> you know. Um, but I mean, I mean, I don't mind him in small doses, but I couldn't stand listening to Booker T for three hours. I mean, that would just that would just be like, oh, you know, that would just make Raw such a chore. Um, um, but yeah, he's, I think there's a lot of people in wrestling <clears throat> who've got a higher opinion of themselves than Booker. One of which is, of course, Chris Jericho. Well, well Finn, you're not going to get me saying anything about Chris Jericho in this podcast. You know, we used to have a tour with him. He was a man who was, you know, very, very, I was going to say the word humble there, but I can't really get away with saying that kind of. We'll move on. We'll move on. Anyway, Let's just move on. Elsewhere on Raw, uh, we opened the show actually with. Uh, with Becky Lynch coming out with her arm in a sling. She separated her shoulder. She basically does a babyface promo, talks about the comeback. She calls up Bianca Belair. Um, they talk about how much they respect each other. And uh, Becky kind of leaves Bianca to have her moment. But then, of course, the the new faction, Bailey's faction, Control, which is Bailey, uh, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai, all attacked Becky Lynch's arm and... Uh, Pretty, pretty hot opening segment and um, it felt like a you know it felt like this is where the women's division should be stuff like this multiple players involved and you know with these three women coming back it doesn't feel as dire that Becky Lynch is away whereas a week ago that would have felt like a you know nail in the coffin to the Raw's women's division a big loss it would have been I mean I think it's good that Lynch is taking a little bit of time off obviously it's not good that she's injured uh, separated uh, right shoulder. She was, as you said, she was wearing a sling there. Um, you know, she was presentation of her was very different. This wasn't big time Bex. She wasn't really wearing that much makeup, very toned down appearance. So more of a humble Becky Lynch, not big time Becky Lynch, humble Becky Lynch, Kenny. I don't know. If maybe, we'll have that, I don't know if we'll have that in a t-shirt, but yes, humble Becky. I mean, Lynch. maybe Chris Jericho could adopt this as his next gimmick. Humble Chris Jericho. I'm saying nothing, Finn. Don't, don't try and trick me. Um... <laughs> so, so she called out Bianca Belair and they had another hug. Um, you know, she accepted that Belair had beaten her the previous evening. She was injured. She walked off backstage. And then there was this big commotion. You know, there was like footage on the um on the major screen on the main screen in the venue. 
As you said, Lynch was being beaten down by Bailey Dakota Kai and EO Sky and Bianca Belair ran backstage to save Lynch. And that led to further events uh, later in the program. So, uh, yeah, it was it was it established. I mean, we knew that uh, the control faction, EO Sky, Dakota and Bailey were heels. But this, you know, this cemented it, you know, beating down an injured competitor backstage the villains yeah and then they would they would get involved later in the show during an alexa bliss Asuka match where they would come out and basically attack them and then bianca billier came out to make the save and bianca said she wanted one of the crew and eo sky said she was the one that wanted to do it so we actually got uh bianca billier versus eo sky uh, in a one-on-one match when it was just over 17 minutes but of course all the women got involved in this big brawl but i mean I'd be more than happy to see more uh, Bianca Belair and EO Sky. This felt like a... It felt very NXT women's division vibes to me, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, it was definitely different to Bianca's matches with Becky. I mean, I did... You know, I'm a fan of EO Sky, huge fan of hers, but she was very obviously pulling her blows, and some of that looked weak. Um, Most of her offense was fine. Um, I can't imagine that she would have been overawed, but maybe she was. Uh, but I thought the performance was was overall good, and I thought the flow of the match uh, was very respectable. Uh, it was certainly worthy of the minutes that was allocated to it. Uh, and yes, uh, an overall, um, you know, more than adequate debut for EO Sky on Raw. But next time she wrestles, if she's going to do, blo- she needs to just do four rounds or something that looks better than the punches because they they really did let her, her offense down at times. And she was never somebody when she, she was in NXT that you could find holes in a repertoire. She was, everything she did was watertight, wasn't it, in NXT uh, when she yeah. was your e- e- Shirai. So I think she needs to work on that. I'm sure she will do. Um, and yeah, obviously the, there wasn't a finish, nor should there have been. It was far too soon for EO Sky to do the job to Bianca Belair, and it was obviously far too soon for Belair to lose the title. Uh, and in the end, um, we had like uh, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Dakota Kai, Bailey. They were all involved. There was a big six-woman fight at the end. Um, so I imagine that this may well lead to a six-woman match on Raw next week, something like that. Or, or it might even lead to a six-woman match at a Clash at the Castle. Maybe that's what they're going to build to. Yeah, possibly. I mean, there's still a few weeks to go before Clash at the Castle, and I would f- hope that Bianca will defend the belt there uh, rather than, you know, because maybe we'll just have an angle next week. I'm not sure. But um, but you're right then. If it, if it is Belair versus, say, Bailey at Clash of the Castle, then that means possibly that Bailey's going to have to do the job and she's just come back after a year on the shelf. So she doesn't really want to be losing on premium live events. You know, she needs to be, you know, she's the person who's most likely to dethrone Bianca Belair at the moment. And I think that's an outcome a lot of people would approve of um, if it was done in a way that was, you know, tarnish was not clean and that's going to, also, I think Bianca is in the chasing packet again as a challenger against Bailey and her crew. I think that can really enhance Bel Air. So, I mean, there's a lot of things they can do here with this with this feud. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, it's going to continue. And uh, yeah, good start. But EO Sky next time, lay those shots in, woman. Um, and then the main event of the show, we actually got the Usos defending the uh, tag team titles against the Mysterios. And um, again, you know, they got just under 16 minutes here. Um, the Usos did retain the title. We got a post-match attack from um, the Judgment Day, but Edge made the save, who earlier in the show had come out and said that he was going to destroy Judgment Day. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, was, it, was, it felt like a, a big, big main event. You know, they, they let it get time. Um, it was a very wrestling-heavy show this episode. I yes. Um, which I think is good. I mean, I hope that we don't lose character stuff. But I feel like this was maybe a a bit of a statement that you know people are going to get time to to wrestle. We're not going to see as much of the you know Chad Gable gets beaten ninety seconds stuff that we maybe used to get. Well, that's right. And and can I also say that I was very pleased that there was no sign of the twenty four seven title again. And please let this championship be discontinued. I don't know whether it's, I haven't checked the main event uh, tapings recently. It may well have been sent there to, uh, you know, fulfill or see out its days as a championship. I would prefer it to just be discontinued and we never to hear or see it, hear from it or see it again. Uh, but yeah, th- this show was definitely wrestling heavy. Um, I enjoyed the main event as well. I thought there was, I actually thought Dominic Mysterio, this could have been it his best match since WrestleMania. Uh, I thought he did really well here. Um, Ray noticeably stepped back and let Dominic uh, carry more of the load here. And I really like the finish as well, or rather the, the angle um, in which uh, Edge ended up uh, accidentally spearing uh, Dominic uh, when Rhea Ripley shoved uh, Dom into uh, the path of Edge's spear. And then Edge ran off through the cat through the crowd, and it left like Rey Mysterio and, and Dominic in the ring, and that seems to be leading towards something possibly between Edge and Rey Mysterio or the Mysterios. Yeah, or possibly it could lead to Dominic being recruited by the Judgment Day. I still believe that that's how this storyline is going to end, with Dominic turning to the dark side. And as I've said before, I think this is the right course of action for him because if he's going to be taken seriously as his own wrestler, he's got to detach himself from his father. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and overall, though, I mean, it was a strong episode. I don't think that it was, I know some people were talking about, you know, this was the best thing, the, the best episode of Raw, but I think it was, it was definitely much stronger than maybe two weeks ago I thought the post-SummerSlam episode was going to be. You know, I think yeah, that... I thought so as well. I mean, the Champa stuff was surprising and it just felt like huge strides were made there with him. I mean, it's, you know, unthinkable to me that Champa will defeat Lashley on Raw next week. But there again, prior to Raw or, or at the beginning of Raw, I didn't believe that Champa was going to defeat AJ Styles or even make it into the final match. You never mind defeat Styles in that final match. Uh, you know, he won with the fairy tale ending, won both matches with his finisher. So, I mean, you know, that was quite a startling outcome there. And it does feel like, you know, things are changing. It's not a, it's not a seismic shift, I don't believe, which I think is the right decision. I mean, the last thing we want is a, you know, a repeat of the great Russo reset of 2000. I mean, what a calamity that was. It just (laughs) needs to be subtle. And, you know, we need to, 
you know, we need to recognize what's going on, recognize the characters. There doesn't need to be a big shift of everything. It just needs to be more gradual so that we can go from where we were to where it needs to be. Um, but I mean, yeah, I enjoyed Raw overall. I wouldn't say it was, you know, like the best episode of the year or anything. But I mean, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely a builder. You know, it was a it was a, a rebuilding episode where they're planning and preparing and, you know, trying to create a different future for themselves. So, I mean, that's that's got to be a good thing, Kenny. Yeah. And I think, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Right. Like that's how you you're you're not going to just like do everything on the first night. But they've, they've made steps you know, to to make us feel like we're, in the, you know, the Champa thing is the main thing in this episode, which was that he was presented way better and much more like, it's funny, you know, I interviewed him on last Friday before SummerSlam and, you know, he was kind of just felt like someone who was kind of, he was around on the weekend, but it wasn't like he was a big part of the weekend. He was just kind of in Miz's corner. And now here we are a few days later and he feels like a massive deal. So, I mean, it's it's, especially a good change for him. And I think people who Triple H, you know, has that loyalty to that he helped build in NXT, I think those people are going to, you know, be very happy that he's taken over. So, um, yes, sure. But listen, that's all the time we've got for today, Finn. We'll be back next week with more. Um, Actually, Kenny won't because I'm on holiday. So you are, you're on holiday. So we're off next week. Uh, we got a rare week off, um, but uh, we are going to uh, be back the following week. So uh, yeah, just uh, a, a week a week off. Uh, we will have a bunch of stuff going up on Patreon, um, and then we'll be back uh, for the following Tuesday for what's going down. So um, I'll maybe I'll maybe rope somebody else in to do some bonus stuff in the meantime. Maybe Sandra and I'll do the extra thing just to keep things going over on Patreon. But uh, Finn, I hope you enjoy your your time off. Yes, yeah, I'm going to Richmond, Yorkshire, which is where I went last year. If you remember, I sent you a postcard from there, which I still have it with a picture of like a wall and some shrubbery on it. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to what this year's postcard is. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the thing is, do you know how much a first class stamp costs now, Kenny? 95 pence. 95 pence. I almost fell over. I know. I could. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like ninety. I'm, I'm sure I remember it was like forty pence, or like they were cheap before. I don't know what's happened, but yeah, I think I don't know what's happened either. But let's not get into a discussion of why it's so damn expensive. <laughs> the first class stamp. I don't think people really tuned into this podcast to listen to that. But I was amazed by how yes. expensive stamps now are. Uh, wait, wait, listen. We will be back as it in uh, two weeks. We will have some stuff up on Patreon next week to keep you guys going as always. So I uh, want to thank you for all your support and we'll talk to you soon.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 